0: Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to be in heaven together. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us, right? Read it. It's a great book to have in your library and there's a lot of sense in there. makes a lot of sense out of this life. God has given us the freedom to choose. We choose life or we choose our own way which ends up in not life. You'll still be living but you wished you weren't. Right? I'm in this series, Revelation, the book of Revelation. How many of you guys have one of these? What do you you call this? The B-I-B-L-E. For that's the book for me. The B-I-B-L-E. Yeah. Some of you guys went to Sunday school 100 years ago. Okay, maybe not that long. And by the way, Sarah's old. I'm like... If she, Sarah, if you didn't figure out why they were laughing, that's why. They're all looking at you, going, "Yeah, okay, you're half our age. Whatever." God is so good, and when I, when I study His Word, it always gets into my spirit, at how He's laid this book out, and nobody else could have done what He did. It makes too much sense for a human being to write it. Now, men penned it, right? But who gave them what to write? The Holy Spirit. And we can trust the Bible. And the prophecies that were predicted thousands of years ago have come to pass, and many of them that were predicted for the end times are now coming to pass. I believe we're in those days. And as we study out this book, the book of Revelation, Hopefully you're going to see that, yes, God is love. He loves His church. But He's also a just God. Alright? He cannot allow certain things to go past Him without there being some kind of retribution. Sin is one of those things that has to be accounted for. That's why He sent Jesus. Because He loved us. For God so loved the world that He... Gave his only son so that whosoever believes will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. We do that by putting our trust in him by becoming born again. But we have to put our trust in him. The flip side to that is if you don't put your trust in Jesus, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged for your sins. And that's why as we go through this book, it's so imperative that you apply this to your heart so that you can share this message with those who have not heard yet. There are people in this community that don't know the truth. They've been lied to their whole life. We need to set the record straight. We need to preach the truth. So today, in part 7, I told you there's probably going to be 100 parts by the time we're done. But we're actually going to get through quite a bit of this, I believe, today. I don't want this to come off the wrong way because it's powerful stuff that we're going to read today. And when we close this service, I want us just to take time to worship Him. But what I want you to understand is sometimes the, the books that we're looking at, the chapters, the, the uh, latter part of chapter 4 and verse, chapters 5 also, it, it isn't as exciting as some of the rest of the book. When we come back next week Lord willing because I always have to say that because he's stuck me on verse 1 and 2 chapter 4 for a long time but Lord willing next week I'm going to tell you that I've been wrong for a long time on some of the things I've been preaching oh, Pastor Norm you were wrong and I'm listening to you And so what's that make me? Wrong? If you want to find out where I was wrong, and probably where you're wrong, because many of you do this, you have to come back next week. That's just a teaser. When we get into next week, we're going to start talking about the judgments of God. I wish them on no one. All right? But God is going to judge this world. We've already talked about how the church is going to be taken up in the rapture. To meet the Lord in the the air. air. And then we're going to be taken to heaven where we will be rewarded for the good things that we did. You see, our judgment's going to be a lot different than the other one coming at the end of the thousand year reign. Once that takes place, we're going to get ready. Ready for what? Ready for the end The war we call Armageddon. I don't know why I said Armageddon, but it doesn't matter. Whether you say Armageddon or Armageddon, you know what it means. The last war. It's a battle between good and evil. Jesus, the Bible says, is going to open his mouth and his enemies are going to be leveled. But we're going to be right there behind him. We are all going to get our white horses If I had one of those little sticks with a pony head on, I would (laughs) have... Next week. That's us. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But here's what I want you to get in your spirit. God loves you. But He's also a just God. You don't want to be on the side of judgment. You want to be on the side of His love and His grace and His mercy. So if you haven't already done this say yes to Jesus today because you don't know how much longer you've got. And once that trumpet blows and the church goes up you're going to have at least seven years on this earth or as long as you proclaim Jesus you may not have too long to live because the way I read the Bible off with their heads. You either bow to the enemy you bow to the beast the image or you die. Woohoo! Wow. Evan, was that you? Sweet. He's laughing about people, getting their heads chopped off. I love this younger generation. Thanks to you, we have movies like Zombies and, you know, all the other... No, I'm not... I shouldn't pick on you, because I know that's not who you are, but... Got your Bibles with you? Yeah. Well, if you don't, I just happen to have it behind me. The NLT, unless otherwise said, that's the New Living Translation for those of you who don't know your acronyms today. Is that right? The acronym? Yeah. Beginning with verse 3. Yay! Everybody say, Yay! We went through verses 1 and 2, finally. The one, say the one. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Let me tell you something. God owns a rainbow. Nobody else. There's a reason that it's been used lately to mean other things. It's a direct contradiction to heaven's glory and his holiness. John here is trying to translate what he's seeing, and and I cannot imagine, if I were in his shoes or sandals, I cannot imagine how I would feel trying to explain what he just said here. What I really love, though, is even though these gemstones are in reversed order, the jasper and the carnelian stones are the first and the last stone in the priest's breastplate as found in his instructions in Exodus 28. Now, what does that have to do with anything? It's reversed, right? What did Jesus say? He said, the first shall be last and the last shall be... Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But he also said, the first will be last, and the last will be first. Do you think the Bible is just thrown together? No way. There are so many things that God's trying to show his church. It is so accurate, and he puts in these little teeny things like this, just to say, I am God. There is no other. Here John sees the one sitting on the throne with all these brilliant colors surrounding him, the jasper and the carnelian. And by the way, I had to look these up, but these stones are really like a reddish-orange color, which represents what? Fire, right? Wouldn't you say that red and orange is typically the colors you'd see? Maybe a little hue of yellow in there. And I I started praying about this, and I, I was reminded... Of what Ezekiel said. I wanted to compare quickly his description of uh, what he saw in heaven versus John so if you would I'm going to put that up behind me. Above this surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. Now this actually is a really brightly colored blue and it's usually representative of royalty but you can picture the sky and just the brightest maybe even that cross today that might be that that blue lapaz lazuli I, I don't know if i'm saying it right but you got the idea on this throne high above was a figure a what a figure. whose appearance resembled a man Hmm. from what appeared to be his waist up he looked like gleaming amber what color is amber yellowish orangish something or other flickering like a flame, a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. Can you see the two similarities? How accurate, and how close they are to each other? And then he said, This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. Now, Ezekiel and John are very close to what they saw. God is fire. He is a consuming fire. Nothing impure can come into His presence. I wonder if that's not why we're all wearing uh, white clothes because if you've ever seen anything get bleached, all the color has gone, right? The only thing left is white. Bright, brilliant white. And when you get into God's presence, I wonder if all our hair is going to be white. I'm close. Sandy, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick on a woman. Oh, I want to hear about that. Apologies. Love you, Sandy. Revelation 4, verse 4. 24 thrones surrounded him. 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. So what are these 24 elders? Well, some have speculated that they might represent the 12 uh, tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. So it's got the Old and the New. And, And they might. We don't know for sure. It's all speculation, really. But we do know they're all clothed in white and they all have gold crowns on their heads. This leads us to believe that these are sanctified or redeemed believers. People who have been rewarded and are now with Jesus in heaven. The church has been raptured, I believe. Many of our scholars believe that that's the case. They have been raptured, and now we're dressed in white. We've been rewarded, we've been given the crowns, and let's move on. Revelation 7. By the way, I didn't say this, but if you haven't heard these messages Go back and listen to the last three. Uh, Two of them are on Revelation. So if you want to understand the idea of the rapture and what we're talking about here today, go back and listen to those. It's all online at gillardchurch.com. Okay, my own little plug. Let us be glad and rejoice. Ooh, wait a minute. I skipped a verse. How did I do that? Oh, I know what I'm doing. Maybe. I know what I'm doing. Maybe. I got to find my spot here. This is where I can. Oh, that's where I went. This is Revelation 19. That's why. I thought I was still in chapter 4. How many know pastors make mistakes? We're human, especially when they're struggling with a sinus infection. Keep your distance from me. If you shook my hand this morning, wash it. <laughs> Revelation 19:7 and 8, let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the the finest of what? Pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And that's where I wanted to go. God clothes us in white linen to represent the good deeds that you and I have done. Where? In heaven? Once you get there, it's too late. You want to fill up your heavenly bank account, start now. Whatever that means. What I recommend is that you follow what this says and listen to the Holy Spirit and start doing the things He tells you to do, like praying for people. It doesn't cost you anything but time. You can pray for people. Prayer makes a difference. Some of you need to learn the the, uh, idea of tithing to build God's kingdom. That's important. There are so many people that still need to hear the truth and we need that money to be able to spread the good news around the globe there's so many other things that the church is doing today you can be a part of that somebody weeded the flowers this week without mentioning names Claudia. hallelujah i'm going to get through here today yes indeed Revelation 19.14, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, what? That's us. I should have all of you do that just because I'm standing up here doing it. Then you'd all have to go use a restroom. So God's people are clothed in white and it represents their good deeds. You got that part? All right. And now what about the gold crowns? 2 Timothy 4, 8. And now the prize awaits me, Paul said. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I hope that's you. I hope you are so eager for Jesus to come back, and you're not sitting there going, No, not yet, Lord, till I'm not ready. Get ready then. Because ready or not, he's coming back. And you don't want to be sitting here like the video I showed last week. Boom! And there are about 10% of the people left in the church. And I can only hope that many are still, I've, that that many are left. <laughs> that it's such a few number. Because the Bible I read says, wide, narrows a gate that leads to Life, but wide is the path that leads to destruction what that tells me is there gonna be a lot of people in the church they're putting it on Man, I'm but when that trumpet blows they're still gonna be right here can you hear me now Revelation 2:10. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. But if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you... Woo-hoo. I'm coming soon, he said, Revelation 3.11. Hold on to what you have so that no one will... Alright, so we know we're going to get a crown. The prize is going to be a gold crown. Some will be more ornate than others, but we will all be rewarded for our good deeds on earth. Finally, last on this topic, Ron Rhodes pointed out in his book, 40 Days Through Revelation, that there were 24 courses of priests mentioned in 1 Chronicle 24, 3-5. It could represent something like this, but remember, what were the priests? They were human, right? 24 courses of priests, only meaning that they each had their own specific duties to carry out. So there are 24 different duties that they had to fulfill. Where? In the temple. Where are we going to be? Man, we're going to be in the throne room of God. There's going to be stuff to do. Finally, they each laid their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to get to that. Revelation 4, 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder and in in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, lightning and thunder is always symbolic of judgment. All right? It's revealing that God is going to judge. Seven is God's number. The Holy Spirit is here sevenfold, meaning there are seven different attributes, but they all represent him. There are seven attributes, which either means his completion or that he is flawless. I like the latter one. The sevenfold Spirit of God shows God's flawlessness. These are not seven lampstands as we read with the churches back in uh, Revelations 2 and 3, rather, there are seven actual fires perpetually burning before the throne of God. What what does the Bible say is going to light heaven? God. The glory of God. Verse 6, In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal, In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. Now, again, this shiny sea of glass represents peace. Here God is getting ready for judgment, to pour judgment out on the earth. But what's it like in heaven? Peace. Peace. Like a a sea of glass. His peace is going to be all around us. Perfect peace. And then the four beasts, which are discussed in more detail in verse 7. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Now, I've already said this, but just to bear witness to it again, if it doesn't tell you to take it any other way than it's literal, right? However, here what do we see? Like a lion, okay? Like an ox, like an eagle. So these are symbolic. I believe they're real creatures that John is seeing, but he's trying to put some kind of picture with it so that we'll understand later on, and this is the best he could do, which I get it. I mean, how would you explain these beings with eyeballs all over them and six wings? I mean, I'd freak out. You know, most of the places where you see angels like this, what do they do? They fall down. It's like, whoa, dude, you're pretty cool. Right? And what are these beings doing? These creatures with eyes all over them Praising the Lord. Many believe these are cherubim or seraphim, and typically those kinds of angels protect the things of God. All right? And I believe that's what's happening here. And they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I I love the songs you picked out today because they were so fitting for this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Again, it shows the essence of the Trinity here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That they all three are equally worthy of our praise. Who was and is and is to come simply shows us God's eternal nature. Are you still with me? Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, Now, let me stop there just for briefly before I get to what they say. Angels aren't given crowns, humans are. God's righteous people are. They're rewarded. All right? Angels don't need crowns, they're already awesome. But we're going to have places of authority when we get to that new, that new realm, that thousand-year millennium, or the millennium, which is a thousand years, we're going to have places of authority whether it's mayors and governors and presidents. I don't know how it's all going to work, but I know this. That's going to be you and, and me. That's what God's going to do with His church. Only the righteous will get a crown. <clears throat> Some question whether we will truly worship the Lord like they do in heaven. My quick answer is yes. We will. But hear this the way we worship God today, you're not going to have to be compelled to worship the Lord in heaven. You're going to be so on fire when you're in His presence, the best thing you're going to be able to do is prostrate yourself before Him and worship Him Then prostrate yourself. And that's what we see in this chapter over and over and over. When they're in the presence of God, all that they can say is, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was, who is, who is to come. That's pretty cool. The idea of worshiping God is nothing new. We're told to do it throughout Scripture. I kind of already alluded to verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive. Glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. And I was going to insert here once again, the scriptures are clear who created things. It didn't happen by chance, it's not some evolutionary process. God created us, God created each species. I won't get into all that today but it's so much easier to believe that than it is that we evolved and yet that's what's being taught in our elementary schools our high schools our college and universities they don't give room for another theory if you believe in creation you're set aside they'll remove you if you push your agenda well we need to push our agenda our young people need to go into school into college into the universities prepared to have another answer because there is another answer and it's a good one. I didn't mean to go there today. Romans 14 verse 11 and 12 for the scriptures say as surely as I live says the Lord every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes Each of us will give a personal account to God, Paul said. Read that last part with me again. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Let that sink in for a minute. What does that mean? Let's say right now, who can I pick on? All right, Ed. Come on up here just for a minute. Pretend. Big pretend, okay? Pretend. You're, you just walked in. I'm Jesus. All right, Ed. Okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ed, tell me about your life. Yeah. Where do, you <laughs> Where do you start? Is there anything I should know about that, well, might not have lined up with the way I wanted you to live your life? Yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah, and, and well, you know what? Here, watch this little TV over here just for a minute. You remember that day? Uh, I, Yeah, yeah, I know. You don't want to remember that day, do you? No. But it's all under the blood now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Hallelujah. So go back to your seat and take your place in the throne room because you're, you're born again. You're saved. <laughs> but we're all going to give an account of what we have done in this, in this earth suit, if you will. And I don't know where you're living, because what you do in secret, only you know. God does know. So it's between, literally, between you and Him. You're not going to stand in front of Pastor Norm. You're not going to stand, if you happen to be the Myers family, in front of your mom, Chris. All right. You're going to stand in front of the one that knows everything from beginning to end. And you're going to have to give an account, a personal account of how you lived your life. And I can only hope that when it's all said and done, that Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Whether it's because you finally just knelt and said, I can't do it, God. Cover it in the blood. If that's what you need to do, then do it because according to scriptures, you'll be brand new, made whole, born again. The old man is dead. The new man has come. I got to stop getting on my knees. No, I need to do that more, right? Excuse me just a minute. I love this part. One more break here. Back there, that I should have done is had you singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. That would have been a lot more cool, a lot cooler, a lot better, a lot, whatever. Okay. Jesus said. Do you hear what, he was asked, do you hear what these children are saying? And he said, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? I hear one somewhere. It's a little one crying. I need you, Lord. He doesn't even know or she doesn't even know. But she needs him. He has ordained our lips. All these children were running around, Hosanna, Hosanna, because they saw Jesus as their Messiah. And he's our Messiah. He's the one who saves. And he's here today to save you. But you need to cry out to him. You need to say, Lord, I need you. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me clean. Psalm 95, 6, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. For the Lord our maker. It's going to happen, whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. Every knee will bend, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I recently read somebody's Facebook post, it was actually yesterday. When you pray, and prayer is essential, when you pray, God sends his angels. When you praise God comes himself. When we started this morning, I sensed his presence in here. It's so important that we connect with this idea of praise here today. That our interdependence, in independence, recognizes it's only because of our dependence on Jesus. So to wrap up chapter 4, and then we're going to scoop fast. I believe that at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, the church is going to stand before Christ, and we're all going to give an account and be rewarded for the life that we've lived. Some of you are going to get through by the skin of your teeth, as I've said before. Better to be a latrine cleaner in heaven than the owner of the biggest palace in hell. That includes the rewards that Jesus will give His faithful for their good deeds. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. Then Ephesians 6.8 Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whether slave or free. So you're going to be rewarded one way or the other, right? Let it be for the good. If you haven't already done this, make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you have already done this, make sure that you're going to be rewarded for some good things. Start looking for ways to bless the kingdom. Chapter 5, here we go. You ready for this? Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. That's a lot of seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Nobody could open this. Now they used to write on papyra and, and they used other cloth things. They would write front and back, but then when they got all done, and it would never typically it wouldn't be longer than 30 feet, because that would be unbearably long to have to roll out and read. But the the thing is. Is to put seven seals on this thing. They were serious. They wanted nobody to get into this except the one. The one. The one. Can you say the one? Then I began to weep bitterly. This is John saying this. Then I began to weep bitterly. No one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Now the reason he was weeping is because he understood that the devil had the deed to the earth. What? Yeah. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave him ownership. Right? The only way that that ownership could be re- removed is that these seven seals are Opened. And there was only one that could open it. Let's read about him for a minute. Verse 5. One of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping! Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Hallelujah. Is that cool? the Lion of Judah, the heir to David's throne. Who do you think this is talking about? David? Jesus! Jesus. Can we say Jesus? Jesus? Can you say Jesus in this place? Oh, wow. What would you do if tomorrow the government said you can't say Jesus anymore in public? What would you say? Jesus! You better practice that because it may happen. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. Hmm. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. There's a lot happening here. Again, we know this is Jesus, right? Well, how do we know that? Let me. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who's the Lamb of God? Jesus. So Jesus is being talked about here, which tells us also that John must have seen some kind of evidence to the fact that this was the Lamb. It leads us to believe that, that the scars are still there. Hallelujah. We're going to be reminded of what Jesus did for us forever. He took our place. But now, He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's taken on a new role. He's no longer the meek little sheep to be slaughtered, but rather now He's the ruler of the universe. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We also want to see here that God the Holy Spirit is omniscient, he's everywhere. He was sent out throughout the land. He's everywhere. Verse 7 He stepped forward, he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Have have you ever seen in scripture where people bowed to an angel? Yes, they tried. And what happened? They said, get up. You don't worship me, but you only worship God, right? So let me read this again. He took the scroll from the one sitting on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. This has to be God. Each one had a harp they held gold bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of God's people. Now, there's an actual movement out there today, a a prayer movement called the, the Harp and Bowl Ministry. Yeah, It's been around for a while, but that's what this is talking about. When you pray, how many pray? When you pray, your prayers go up as an incense to God. He smells them. They're a according to the Scriptures, they're a sweet aroma to Him. Now, I don't get this, because whenever I get around incense, I start sneezing. But God loves our prayers, and apparently they go up as an incense to the heavens. And we'll read a little bit more about these later on. We also know that the harp was often used to worship the Lord. Today we have keyboard, drums, all this other cool stuff. So, pray always... Pray continually. Don't stop praying. Verse 9, and they sang a a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So we can gather from this last little part here that God is no respecter of persons. You don't get into heaven because you're German or American or Ethiopian. You don't get into heaven because you're white or black or brown or yellow or red. God is no respecter of persons. You don't get into heaven because you're rich or poor, although more poor people will get into heaven than rich because the Bible says that. Not me making that up. It's easier for a poor man to get into heaven than it is for a rich man to be weaved through the eye of a needle. How easy is it to weave somebody through the eye of a needle? It'd have to be a big needle, wouldn't it? You get the idea. All right. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with wealth. That's how I take that verse. He died for all men. Amen? Ransomed every tribe, every race. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Poke your neighbor and say, Hello, priest. Hello. We're all priests. We're all going to attend to God when we're in heaven. Here again, we see that you and I are going to become a kingdom of priests attending to the Lord at his bidding. We will then reign with him for that 1,000 years on this earth and then the final judgment. Hallelujah. I believe that during that 1,000 years as we reign with him, God's going to show the earth what it could have been like had man not rebelled. We're going to get to see that front and center. I'm getting close to the end. Then I looked again. I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. You're going to want to hear this. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I don't say this very often, but in this case... The NLT is wrong. Now, every now and then we find that in it, King James is wrong too. <gasps> yeah, it is. All right. NIV has its translations that aren't right. But here we know that this is wrong because the original doesn't use the word "sang." They inserted this. What it should say is. This is what they were saying, all right? They were saying with one voice. So when the angels say things like this, they're actually repeating the words. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength. Now, angels don't sing. I'm waiting for the... There's nowhere in Scripture where you'll see that the angels were singing. The elders sang. They're people. The redeemed, the church, sings. We're going to be knocking it out up there, singing praises to the Lord. And I'm only sharing this from Jack Van Impe, so if it's wrong, it's his fault. (laughs) But, But I have a lot of confidence in his ability and uh, I believe that he's correct in this. As I've studied this out and as you do, look at some of the different translations going back to the King James and they'll tell you it's they said not they sang. Okay? Are you with me still? You're not stoning me yet. Alright. <clears throat> we also see here that they're saying that the Lamb of God is worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. The Bible gives seven attributes specifically connected to Christ in his fullness. And last but not least, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, the NLT says, they sang, and I showed this to you on purpose because I want you to understand that every now and then human beings translate wrong from the original manuscripts. This should again say, and they said, not they sang, Alright? Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said Amen. Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. As I begin to close. This is the time that all the worship team is going to come back up here. And join me if they didn't catch that cue. Love you guys. I wanted to read Philippians 2.11. You can stand. Let some blood flow to your feet. Therefore God exalted Him, who? Jesus. To the highest place. And gave Him the name that is above every name. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. You're either going to do it on this side of heaven or the other. That's simple. As I was putting this together trying to decide how am I going to close this service because it's some pretty raw stuff that we had to talk about today that we got to talk about today what heaven looks like our independence relies on our dependence upon the living God and I ask the question is Jesus your source you see if you think you're going to go to heaven And there you're going to start worshiping him. And you haven't even practiced in your earth suit. You're going to have some issues. I believe that all of us should have this deeply embedded in our spirit that this is just what we do. And if that's not you, ask the Lord, Lord, is there something missing in my life? You know, if you ask God, Lord, help me to be a worshiper, what do you think the Lord would do with that? I don't think He'd s- sneeze on you. I think He would put His arms around you and bless the daylights out of you, because He wants us to be worshipers. I get up I hear my wife and I I don't want to pick on her too much today but when I hear her singing and the Lord says "Ah, that woman you're married to touches my heartstrings and if you've heard her sing it's not the tone quality it's what's coming out of her heart she is a worshiper she loves Jesus you don't have to be able to keep a tune or a tone. All you got to do is be willing to submit yourself to Him, to bend your knee. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.